Welcome back to another edition of It's Raining Mets. Meteorologist Ed Russo here. And meteorologist Steve Knight chiming in this week. Hey, Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Ed. Uh, we got through, uh, uh, you know, it seems like we say this every time we uh, we do the podcast, but we got through another eventful weather week. We did. We did. And, um, you know, it's just goes to show how active this hurricane season is and continues to be and of course laura now being the strongest storm yet right um pulling off major hurricane status not even that you know almost flirting with category five yeah fell seven miles per hour short and for those just a quick review for those that don't know uh hurricanes when they come to categories they're measured by the uh, max sustained wind speed and uh, to get to category five you've got to have max sustained winds of 157 and you know, weak little Laura only got to 150, and I say that obviously facetiously, uh, max wind speed. So uh, remarkable that it uh, fell just seven miles per hour short of being a Category 5 hurricane, but still will go down as one of the more powerful hurricanes to ever make landfall here in the United States. Yeah, and you know, the, you know when it comes to strong Category 4, weak Category 5, you can't get too hung up on the category. I mean, that's still a massive storm. Um, yeah. And you could have an even bigger hurricane than, than Laura was in terms of geographic size. Right. That's a category three um, that could do more damage because it shoves a lot more water against the coast. Yeah. And, you know, it, you know, you and I were talking before we started this podcast and you made a really good point about uh, I think a lot of folks don't realize that that area of the Gulf um, in comparison to like the Atlantic Basin is is uh, far more shallow. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, that can sometimes work to the benefit of when the hurricane comes in is that it comes in off of uh, more shallow water. Right. And you, there are parts of the Louisiana coast where you can actually walk in waist deep water, you know, almost a mile out. Yeah. Like, like right. Now, I, in fairness, I've never been there. Yeah. It's uh, on my bucket list to at least get to New Orleans. Um, but the, that part of the Gulf of Mexico, for me personally, I'm not familiar with. But uh, this is all the stuff that I've read about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. It, it averages, so the Texas-Louisiana shelf averages less than 200 feet deep. Now, wow. immediately up against the coastline, like, you know, when you go to the Jersey or Delaware, when you get in the water, it gets deep. And eventually, you know, you don't have to go too far where it's over your head. In Louisiana, right. you have to walk pretty far out just to have the water get to your chest. Yeah. So the, the water's <laughs> right, very right. shallow, far yeah. out. And when you have strong winds... Uh, blowing over shallow water, it builds it up and, and yeah. really, you know, causes that, that surge potential, which is something that was very concerning. And I think the highest I've seen officially was so far was a 10 foot surge that came through the uh, Louisiana coastline. You know, and we often like to talk about when we're, when we're discussing hurricanes and, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a little bit of, uh, maybe I don't want to use the word deceiving, but Perhaps the way that hurricanes are measured uh, isn't maybe the best way in terms of uh, alerting the public because they're measured by wind speed and they're they're not measured by storm surge or measured by the water per se. And, you know, we often like to talk about how, you know, when it comes to hurricanes, oftentimes it's more about the water than it is actually the wind because the wind field uh, tends to dissipate, you know, f fairly quickly uh, as these hurricanes come inland. I would say this hurricane was the opposite, which is a little bit rare. It was definitely, my takeaway is def, it was definitely more about the wind and the damage we're seeing about the wind than it was the water. We're not, we're not seeing, you know, uh, floodwaters a la Harvey 
that you know aren't going to recede for two weeks. Um, there was some flooding, obviously, but this one was definitely all about the wind and and how much that wind field then held together uh, as it made landfall. Uh, it was still yesterday at lunchtime, and it was still a uh, a Category One hurricane uh, with sustained winds uh, over 110 miles per hour. Yeah, and it was like up near central northern louisiana at that point yes yeah a, yeah i mean what was left of, what was the, the eye which was still pretty discernible was in northern louisiana yeah. and almost into arkansas yeah and, and yeah. southwest arkansas had tropical storm warnings yeah so, that's um, crazy yeah so you can get <laughs> yeah. in i mean when the conditions are right and we know that here you can get inland tropical storm even hurricane warnings that go well as far west as our area but even down there yeah some of them went into arkansas so that was, yeah. that was fairly impressive. And obviously the big threat for them wasn't the, wasn't the surge. It was the, it was the wind, but yeah, back right. to what you were saying, it's, it's the surge that, that really is problematic because, you know, it's, it's not the surge, the increased water at the coastline doesn't come from rain. I mean, it does, but most of right. the water inundation that causes the damage and it moves with great force is water from the ocean that's being piled up against the coastline by the wind the water has nowhere right. to go so it just gets deeper yeah and it literally just you know it saturates the ground and causes yeah. the foundations of buildings to get loose and yeah. can get carried away yeah you know how i love my analogies here's the analogy folks when it comes to when we talk about storm surge so let's say you've got uh an acre of land and um it's November 15th and you have yet to rake leaves and you decide you're going to start on one end of your land with your leaf blower and you're going to work your way across the yard. Well, as you know, by the time you get to the edge of your property, you're going to have one heck of a pile of leaves. That's essentially what storm surge is. It's the winds blowing in the water uh, that continues to bring it toward the coastline. And then you just get this massive surge of water that works its way in them. When you're talking about a 10 foot storm surge, it's just that. I mean, that's enough to put you know, homes along the coast completely underwater. Yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a great analogy, Steve, because you are going to end up with a massive pile of leaves just blowing them all in one direction. Yeah, this comes from years of doing school talks yeah. where you where you try to put things into <laughs> into perspective. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I've thought I can't tell you how many times I've been in my car, like driving to a school, and and saying to myself, okay, so when they ask me about when I get the question about what's a storm surge or whatever, like how am I going to explain this? Yeah. In ways that a third grader can understand. And then sometimes you do get those second and third graders who stump you. Oh, absolutely. It's ha it happens to me all the time. Um, yeah. Because they're oftentimes coming off of, well, two things. One, we, we most of the time when we get asked to come out and talk uh, to a class or a school, it's because they're, they've just wrapped up a, a weather unit in science class. So... Oftentimes what will happen is like the last day of class before we come in to talk, uh, the teacher will say, OK, well, you know, tomorrow's the day that Mr. Russo is going to come in. So let's let's put together, you know, a list of 10 questions, you know, before Mr. Russo gets here, you know, and they've just been doing this weather unit. And it's almost like let's let's stump the weatherman. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Let's find you know, the most obscure. You know yeah. You know, they're scheming. Yes, exactly. You know what I mean? It's like, we're going to test you. We're going to test your, we're going to test your knowledge. And I found that I'm sure you have too. The best thing to do is to, to just be honest and yeah. say, Hey, I got to be honest with you guys when it, when it comes to, uh, you know, what you're asking me about here. Um, it's not something that I deal with on an everyday basis. I probably should brush up on, but, um, 
the uh, you know Australian wildfires aren't exactly a specialty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I I actually had a student ask me a question. I forget what the question was, but yeah. Uh, I said I did. I said did what you just said. I said you know yeah. I I don't know. That's a good question. He said, "Aren't you a meteorologist?" Yeah. <laughs> right. That he actually questioned my expertise. Yeah. No. So either great. we have a hardcore meteorologist now because this was years ago, or we have a lawyer. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, it's, it's, that's always, that's always that awkward moment. You can feel all the eyes are staring at you and yeah. just kind of go, yeah, you know what? I could probably just kind of make up something here that sounds pretty good and use a bunch of technical language. But, um, I think I'm probably, cause they're going to go back and check you anyway. Yeah, You're better served just going, Hey, you know what? That's a great question. Um, and I have to tell you something, you know, in all my years, you know, I've, I've never had a third grader ask me that question. So what's your name, son? Congratulations to you, Billy. Uh, you, you, stumped, you stumped the weatherman. Go home and tell mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. Yeah. Have yeah. a celebration. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, honestly, that's something I miss in this, in this day and age now because we never – we can never go out to – you know, school visits anymore. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, I know. So, uh, you know, yeah, let's, let's hope this is a, 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 a short lived thing here as we're all, as we're all kind of hoping here, then by the time that we're settling into at least 2021, 2022 school year, we're, we're back to doing that type of thing. Right. But it's just, you know, I could see us doing it on zoom, but yeah. You know, well, not, you know what, who knows? We might start getting requests to do it on zoom. Yeah. I could see that. You know, and I've Absolutely. done that. I've done that before, but it ha- it wasn't because of COVID. It was just because of a logistical thing. Yeah. But, you know, being there, and I think for the students to actually have a guest come in other than the oh, yeah. teacher, it's always oh, yeah. exciting because it breaks up the oh. routine. Oh, absolutely. Oh, totally. I mean, half, half the battle, the first five minutes, is to, especially, I, this is what I've found, especially if... If you speak to a larger group and they actually leave their classroom, say they go to an auditorium or the gymnasium, or you know, I'm sure you've done them in the cafeteria, that type of thing. If you get like four third grade classes, okay, and then they all get to one by one come in and take their seats in the auditorium or whatever. You remember in third grade, I mean, like an assembly where you get to see everybody from third grade, not just your classmates. Yeah. I mean, that's a big deal. But it's also um, you kind of look at it as a, a time to maybe goof off a little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know? can't. It's, it's like, amazing. It's amazing yeah. how awesome that felt when you were a kid. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You're like, oh, assembly. It's going to yeah. be awesome. I hope he talks for an hour and a half. Yeah. Something you know? to yeah. break up the monotony of my Break day. up the monotony. And and the, the girl that you don't see very often that you kind of have a little bit of a thing for because mm-hmm. uh, she's in so-and-so's class and you're in Mr. So-and-so's class. Uh, you get to see her across the auditorium, and yeah. you're exchanging glances. Oh, I was that was a big deal, man. I know. Uh, but like I say, the first first five minutes, I kind of try to set the tone of, uh, hey, I know we're all here to have fun, and it's an assembly, and I get it. <laughs> you all want to goof off, but um, your teachers are kind of hoping that I can corral you guys, and that maybe you'll actually pay attention and learn something. So, you know. <laughs> well, they seem to love weather, you know. They do. It's like everybody. Yeah. No, and that's that's such a good point, Ed, because um, usually, usually they get hooked in really, really quick, and usually they're almost always they're they're excited to meet you. Um, they've known that you're coming for you know at least a, a week or so or whatever, and quite frankly, even if their parents 
don't watch CBS 21, they're watching CBS 21 in advance of you coming um, because, you know, they're like, oh, this guy's going to come to my – and then you, you show up. Honestly, like, you know, adults are oftentimes like, oh, yeah, nice to meet you. You go and talk in front of a group of, like, you know, second graders. I mean, they think you're, like, a rock star. I know. <laughs> you know? Been, and, then, and then you take that picture at the end. Yeah. You say, oh, this will oh, be yeah. on the 530. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here's another interesting study in third grade behavior. Um, and this always happens, and I'm sure it's happened to you. Okay? So you get done with the talk, and you thanks, everybody. All it takes is one kid, okay, to just kind of break rank. And say, you know what? I'm probably not supposed to do this, and I might get scolded by the teacher, but I don't care. They come running up to you, and they've got a folder or just a piece of paper or whatever, and they say, "Can I have your autograph?" Yeah. And you go, in your brain, you're going, "Okay, this isn't really worth the paper that it's going to be printed on." But I get it. I was in second grade. Big deal to have the local weatherman come. So, you know, sure, buddy, no problem. What's your name? Uh, you know, Joe. Okay, hey, Joe. You know, uh, here's to sunny days, Steve Knight. You know. And then as soon as one does it, next thing you know, there's a line of like 60 kids. <laughs> but that, that actually hap- that, that happened to me the last time I did a school visit. Yeah. And no, it's great. It and the teachers are kind of like, uh, we got to get back to class. Like, we, you know, we have lunch and, you know, you guys got to go to art. The art teacher's waiting, you know. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> or you get, it's at the end of the day, dude, you're going to miss your bus. You're going to miss your bus. Yeah. We, we, gotta, we do have a schedule to keep here, guys. Yeah. And uh, I don't think Mr. Russo is able to sign a hundred autographs. But it was at Dallas down. I mean, I mean, so. Oh, and, well, you were, you were back on home turf. Yeah. And it was, you know, it's, it's interesting because one of the most exciting things to me when I accepted the job at 21 was that I'd be able to go back to my school and do yeah. talks. Right. And it's like the very last opportunity I had for a school visit because who knows if this is going to continue into next year um the very last opportunity I had for a school visit was finally Dallas town yeah and now I'm at the point like I don't know if I'm ever going to go back there to do a visit or not so yeah it's it's kind of disappointing that you know I have obviously I understand the issue but it's just you know it's kind of disappointing that there's a chance that you know during the rest of my term here that I may not in fact go to do a, a school visit again, let alone Dallas down. But at least I did back in February before everything unraveled. Before everything hit. You know, I wish that we had uh, a video element and, and we're, we're going to get there eventually once we kind of get through COVID and everything. I mean, you know, w- without COVID and, and us all kind of going our own separate ways, we would have had a video element to this podcast by now. But here at home, um, I have on my shelf where I keep all of my little mementos and trinkets, but this is in the tele, the TV room, the living room, where we all hang out and watch TV, the whole family. I have um, like a Nerf football that was signed by students at Conestoga Elementary about five years ago. I got to go back to the elementary school that I went to, and that was a, a big thrill for me. First of all, you walk in and you realize how much smaller it is than you remember. Oh, my God. I mean, it, it was yeah. the first time I had actually walked in Conestoga Elementary in Lancaster County probably since I left in sixth grade, you know? Oh my gosh. And that so that bad. was just such a trip. I, I got to speak in the cafeteria where, you know, I spent all of those lunches as a kid and have all those memories. And then they signed, you know, one, one class signed a, a Nerf football for me. And I, I mean, I've got it. It's, it's up there with all my prominent <laughs> mementos and memorabilia. I'm so proud of that, of that darn football. Cause it came from my elementary school right. and, and how much fun that was for me to get to go back and speak to those kids. Yeah, you know what's funny? They probably don't think it's a big deal to you because you're coming to visit them. They obviously yeah. think their situation is 
is a huge deal comparatively to yours. But yeah, I mean, when you go back to your home school like that and you literally go back and it's like a time machine stepping yeah. into a building that you used to go in all the time that you haven't been in 20, 30 years. Yeah. Um, it's a big deal. I mean, it, you get sentimental yeah. and, and you get yeah. all these flashbacks. So yeah. Oh, it was so cool. I, I actually asked after, after I was done, I said, you got, is it okay if I go out and just kind of walk the playground and all of that stuff? Because Conestoga elementary also doubled as my youth baseball field. That's where we played youth baseball games. And there again, I, you know, I hadn't been on that baseball diamond since I was probably 11 or 12 years old and just standing there going, Oh my God. I remember, you know, standing on this pitcher's mound you know, taking on Willow Street, pitching, you know, and just, you know, dying because the bases are loaded. You know, it's just right. so many memories, you know, that come come flooding back to you. And and I, I have to give kind of Stoker credit because they like the administration, everything, they really gave me a like a great almost I don't want to say heroes welcome, but definitely a, a an alumni welcome. Yeah. And they had gone so far as they pulled some old yearbooks. And they found like a, a picture of me in like fifth grade and they put it up on the overhead projector in the cafeteria <laughs> to basically show these kids like, yeah, you know, here's Mr. Knight when he was a, you know, dopey fifth grader like the rest of you guys. And, and with my, you know, my bowl cut haircut from, you know, 1980. <laughs> you know? Yep, yep. So, so it was really, really cool. Okay. You know, I, I do, we do want to reflect a little bit more. Not just on our own upbringing here in central Pennsylvania. We're you writing our autobiography. Like, so these yeah, are... we, could, we could do this for an hour. But uh, one thing you and I were talking about with Laura was how fortunate. Now, look, there was a loss of life. So I don't, I don't want to minimize uh, the impacts here of Laura. But how fortunate that area was that where Laura came in and made landfall, um, it kind of split the goalposts in between Metro Houston and Metro New Orleans. If, if you could have found uh, an optimal spot that's not all that inhabited for Laura to really slam into, um, that would kind of be the area. It's not. It's not. It's not a beach. It's a real marshy area. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a. You know, a real. Obviously, Lake Charles is is you know the probably the biggest outpost in that area, and and they had significant damage there. So again, not trying to minimize, but you know, a, a few miles either way. And we're talking about a completely different scenario, not only in terms of cost of damage, but in loss of life. Right. You know, it's it's uh, and I, I can't remember a storm track, a p- powerful hurricane that actually in recent memory that went into that particular part of Louisiana. Me either. Um, but when you're talking about in terms of the people affected by the worst part of the storm. Yeah. You know, when it hits a relatively unpopulated area, and again, we're not diminishing the sure the uh, what happened at all, but you, you get into much, much bigger problems. And the other thing I think that helped was, um, you know, I was looking back yesterday, Friday night, of where this cone, uh, where the National Hurricane Center had their cone placed. And so this would be like um, like five days this out. This was five days beforehand. Yeah. Cameron, Louisiana, which is where roughly where it made landfall, was in the cone. So people had five days of warning. And, and, and keep in mind, the cone that you see on TV that the National Hurricane Center does, that, that cone is a projection of where the center of the storm is. You know, it's right. the, the effects can be felt well outside of the cone. Right. Um, but typically right around the center of the eye wall is where you have the worst part of the storm. And five days sure. beforehand at the National Hurricane Center had Cameron in the cone. And three days beforehand, 
um, they had the storm making landfall within a mile of where it actually made landfall. So, yeah, that's 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 so impressive. Yeah, so I really think that the, you know, while the intensity forecast, it was obviously a much stronger storm than we had initially thought. We were able to get the warning out there that there was a storm coming and people would, were going to take it seriously. Yeah, no, they really had that had it dialed in, and and that was one thing. And I'm you know you uh, really keeping a, a real keen eye on things over the weekends. Uh, last weekend. You know, I'm sure you were pretty amazed as you were following this thing that, hey, they're not really wavering too much from the the current forecast path. And a lot of times, five, even four days out, you'll start to see some, some little bit of wobble in terms of what they're thinking as to where it's it's going to wind up going. And um, you got to give the National Hurricane Center a lot of props because they really, really, I mean, really, if you get within one mile, they really threw a dart um, with this one. Yeah, and you know it's it's, and you were talking about we were talking about earlier about the the Galveston hurricane that Book Isaac storm, you right? Know, that was the de- deadliest hurricane to this day. To this it's day. still the deadliest many, hurricane in the United 10, States history. Well, mm-hmm. it's only an estimate because, estimate, yeah. yeah, because the island got overswept by water and so many people died that um, it's it's really and you know we're talking about a storm right around the turn of the century. Um, into 1900, and so it's it's really only uh, a rough estimate. But I, there is an official death, but it's, it's over 10,000 people. It's it's fun. To, speaking of school talks, that's one of the things I often bring up. I'll say, hey, you know, show of hands, does anybody know you know what the deadliest hurricane is in the history of the United States? And invariably, the first answer is always Katrina. Mm-hmm. And then I tell the story of of what's known as Isaac Storm. This was before hurricanes were actually given proper names. So it's now kind of in slang terms referred to as Isaac's storm. Yeah. And I, I remember reading the book and, you know, people really had no warning up until it was already too late. So imagine Laura, you know, right. just in, you know, the, you know, people notice maybe the ocean's a little rougher than usual. But then, you know, six to 10 hours later, you have this horrible storm surge that's coming ashore. Nobody was prepared, but they were. They were prepared more than five days out because they knew there was a potential that they could be hit by a hurricane. So- yeah, so the, the quick backstory is that what had happened was you know, a hurricane came through Cuba, and Cuba at that point in time had you know much better relations with the United States, and communication at that time was you know along the wire, you know teletype, and they sent you know a teletype to Washington D.C. and essentially said, "Hey, uh, heads up, we just got." you know, a ripping hurricane here in Cuba. And so heads up, you know, as, as we know, you know, it's out there in the water now somewhere. looked like it was headed off in your direction. So heads up. They right. gave the United States a heads up. And the, the local meteorologist at the time in Galveston, Texas, was a gentleman by the name of Isaac. And Isaac went out and used all of his rudimentary, extremely rudimentary, uh, you know, instruments and determined that, eh, I think we're going to be okay. <laughs> and uh, Galveston wound up taking a direct hit and a direct storm surge. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting story, but it also goes to the advancements that have been made in technology that, you know, not, don't just save, we say save lives, save thousands of lives. Yeah. You know. And, and you know, think of the back then there was no satellite data. You couldn't just get on a screen and see the storm coming on satellite. So. Right. You had. Yeah. To, I mean, you. 
it was really like your best guesstimate. Right. You had to look at the ocean, see if there was yeah. a large, you know, ocean swell preceding yeah. the storm. Um, right. A lot of times, you know, back then they were able to determine a large hurricane came through based on the type of sediment that the yeah. hurricane left behind. Right. So you really had to, you know, get out in nature and organically look at your surroundings to figure out if there was something coming. You had no idea back in the 1900s that you know something as powerful as a Galveston hurricane was going to happen the next day so right. it's just it's just the advancement in meteorological prediction that uh really I think saved a lot of lives with with the you know Laura this the storm yeah. that, that just came through so kudos. it's a, it's a short book it's an it's an age-appropriate book generally for like probably about fifth grade and up and and I always have it with me when I do speaking of school talks and I always end it by saying Okay, guys, you know, I tell the story, then I say, show of hands, how many in here have ever had their parents or their grandparents, have, have they ever heard or anybody say, boy, you know, being a weatherman is the greatest job in the world because you get to be wrong all the time and keep your job. And, of course, a bunch of hands go up and a bunch of Snickers, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then I always say, well, listen, you know, we not might not be right, you know, every day in terms of who is actually going to see rain in their backyard that's why we talk about things in, you know, scattered storms, that type of thing, whatever. Maybe you only got three inches of snow and we said you were going to get seven, you know, or, you know, things of that nature. Okay, I get that. It's fun. Make fun of the weatherman. But then I say, do you have any idea how many lives are saved across this planet on a daily basis by meteorologists? Yeah, just because there's severe weather happening everywhere all the time. Right. Just simply because people are given a heads up that something is coming. It may not affect right. you, but it's going to affect somebody. Right. Um, and, and I think I case think, in point, Laura, this week. Yeah. And I think with a lot of the powerful hurricanes that we've had over the past 15 years, I think, you know, hurricane is is more of a buzzword because I think, right. you know, people that there are some unfortunately, you know, it seems like recently there are just many storms that we can name off the top of our head that have been destructive dorian yeah, michael right um so I, I i think it's uh a word that when people hear they yeah they listen up and they become they force themselves to be informed and they only know the storm is there because of well a meteorologist was talking about it or they were looking at satellite or radar data where you could see the storm and of course all of that stuff was built by right meteorologists so Kudos to the uh, meteorologists at the National Hurricane Center. I really Absolutely. think they did a, a fantastic job with this particular event. And here's the thing. Other than, other than you and I and maybe some local emergency management uh, folks in, in that area in southwest Louisiana and Texas, nobody's going to say it. You know, no, no. It's fine. I, know. I, joke, I joke all the time. And look, I, you know, we don't need positive strokes, okay? But um, – you know, if, if we call for, you know, eight to 12 inches of snow and, and we wind up getting, by and large, 10 inches of snow, nobody ever comes on social media or sends an email saying, wow, you guys nailed it, man. Perfect job. You know, nobody ever says the minute we call for eight to 12 and we get five or we get 16, we're just absolute idiots. Yeah. You know, it's biggest people, dummies. People... People are more inclined to talk if they want to complain about something. <laughs> I know. You know? I know. There was a winter a couple of years back where, like, we had, like, five or six storms in a row where, I mean, we, we, were, we were really hot, you know, and, and we were within, you know, 
the acceptable amount of margin of error with with every snowstorm. Like you know, we we were doing real well. We called for whatever, and it was either that number or very close. Did it like five times in a row, and the whole world the whole world deals with the snowstorms. They deal with the disruptions, and the public was quiet as a church mouse. Next storm rolled around, and it was a bust. And we were all just the biggest idiots. How do you keep your job? <laughs> you know? Yep, yep. It's it's just so amazing. It's the life of the weatherman, right? And 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 I, you know, I've posed that question before. Um, what about what about the time that you know the forecast panned out? Did you, right. did you thank anybody or did you? Right, right. Because they don't they don't think to. They only notice something when right it's wrong when it's off. Yeah. When it's off. You know. So, and when and, it's off, I mean, we're just idiots all the time. Well, this is exactly wrong. why it's a, you know, and it's not just this field, you know, it's teachers go through this. It's a thankless sure. job. Right. It's, you know, so. Well, um, I got thanked today, Ed. You um, did? I, yes. You know how, how it's payday. So, oh. you know, <laughs> it's not a completely thankless job. So there you go. I got, I got my thank you in uh, directly deposited into my bank account. You got today, that. So I, thank you. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, complain too much. Yeah. You got thank yeah. you in the form of some cash. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, so, so yeah, I think as we head into the rest of uh, hurricane season, it's still going to remain fairly active. I think we yeah. have two more that are out in the central Atlantic still. That yeah. are not named yet, but tropical waves that were currently watching. Look, we're not even into September yet. Yep. And September is normally, you know, kind of the, the, the real you know, uh, zero hour with hurricanes. So I, 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 you know, I would be shocked if we didn't have another major hurricane in us, uh, this season, unfortunately. Yeah. So it's just kind of a wait and see operation and hopefully, well, it's 2020. It's 2020. There you go. It's 2020. Of course. So many things happened. Yeah. I feel, it's feel like, you know, it's been 10 years. I yeah. keep saying right. that since yeah. February or March or whenever it was. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been. I've been home for 25 weeks, and uh, for those listening to this podcast, I, I'm actually going to go back into the studio uh, on Monday morning. So, yeah. there you go. 25 weeks of being at home is uh, going to come to an end, and hopefully, it lasts. Hopefully, I'm going to keep all of my home equipment just in case there's another outbreak or something goes wrong. Or it, it, look, it could happen even within my family where I couldn't come into work. So, right, right. you know, just just one so. person gets sick, and you know, you have to quarantine yeah. for. Right. I mean, my son's playing my son's playing high school football and you've heard the horror stories about outbreaks. So, oh, yeah, I'll be keeping all of my home equipment, uh, but hopefully uh, you'll be seeing me pretty consistently in the so morning. You, so you'll still have it there ready to do it from there. If need yeah. Be. OK. Yeah. If need be, because yeah. as you know, you, you, you just never know. Right. Right. You know, any one of our coworkers could announce, uh, you know, I tested positive and we're all staying home yep. again. So, yeah. So. Well, Steve, it was great talking to you. Great, uh, great catching up. And again, hopefully, uh, the fact that you're going back to the studio means I'll see you somewhere in the near future. Yeah, hopefully soon, man. Our paths will actually cross. We 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 talk often. We're often together on on Skype meetings. But uh, I've only seen you once I, with my own two eyes since this whole thing went down. Yeah, so. and I don't think I've seen Tom since March. Yeah, so we're we're due. We're due. Yeah. When all this is over, we're gonna have to uh, have a little meteorologist powwow and, you know, grill up some burgers and dogs and just kind of put this in the rear view mirror. Socially distanced, of course. Right. No, I'm saying when it's over, when we all get our vaccine. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, Steve. Great talking to you. See you, Ed. All right. You're listening to It's Raining Mets.